Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, a very special tennis podcast, our final tennis podcast of 2018 it is our awards show special i am Catherine whitaker this you might have guessed is david law and i'm mary carillo reporting from my home in naples florida happy to be a part of this podcast i'm supposed to settle any dispute um between my esteemed colleagues and for that reason i have brought this official looking Gavel, the kind used in the, you know, your uh, your House of Parliament, your House of Commons, your House of of, of Lords. Uh, they don't use a gavel in England. They don't. Next case, they don't. Is that why they're always yelling at each other so much? All right, I won't use a gavel, but let's start this thing. It's almost as if she knew something was going to be happening in the House of Commons tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Thanks, Teresa. It's not. Oh uh, that would have been very distracting. Uh, Mary Carrillo is our special guest for yes. the podcast tonight. Uh, she will be adjudicating yeah. our awards. She's the final word. She's the final word for when we don't agree. Which never happens. Um, you'll have noticed there are 15 categories, four nominees in each category. Dave and I will be arguing our case uh, for who we think should win each category. And then should we disagree in the unlikely event that we don't agree, Mary Carrillo shall intervene. Yes. In her sort of tennis deity-like way. Am I allowed to argue with Mary? <laughs> good, uh, good luck. Yeah. That's why she's over in... <clears throat> California and not here because I'm scared. I think she's in Florida, isn't she? Is she? Okay. It's all the same. Matt's nodding. Matt's nodding. Right. Uh, we also have Matt in a Richard Osman-esque role tonight. <laughs> yes, I've already messed up on the laptop, haven't I? But, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> you've just been fired before you've been hired. He's got it out of the way early. It's all good. Um, so, yeah, Matt will be there to intervene should that be required as well. Um yes. It's been a good year. It's, I mean, it's been a, yeah. I mean, if we were if we were sitting here this time a year ago, 
uh, trying to I mean I suppose we did do this this time a year ago didn't we and did year-long predictions and they didn't go uh, marvellously by any means but we will come on to our year-long predictions later on in the show by the way do we have to <clears throat> um, yeah I mean how much of what happened this year would we have been surprised by percentage wise most I'd of like it to deal in science I, I, I think I'd I'd have got quite close with Rafael Nadal wins the French Open. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the idea that Djokovic would, would be world number one right now, this is my early um, attempt to get out of the fact that I didn't predict him to win anything at the start <laughs> of the year. But, I mean, the idea that he would do what he's done and end up as the world number one would have, se- would have seemed faintly ridiculous really wouldn't it I think it's this the, time last year it, I mean as I, as I said I like to be scientific and it, it is the biggest rise from from where he came from to finish the year as world number one right that's never that big a leap has never happened in the space of a year before to finish world number one so mm. for once David the stats back you up yeah well they usually do now that I've got him around <laughs> um, oh, that doesn't mean to say that I'm going to nominate him as my surprise of the year though <laughs> You don't know yet. Surprisingly, I mean, there was a lot of categories where um, the, there were a lot of when we were when we were going back and forth about what categories there should be. There were a lot that were agro of the year under a different name, weren't there? Like various different delineations of agro. Yes. Yeah, uh, we had to bust it down to, do to, to one variety of agro. Anyway, we should probably get going with our awards. Our yeah. very special uh, 2018 annual award show brought to you from Cafe Rouge in Hayes yes. Galleria. Thank you very much to them for hosting us. An absolutely lovely cheese-filled evening. I, I wonder where you'd gone missing to. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen you for a while. There is, there is a baked camembert to my left, which there is, is wafting over towards me. You Ro- did the food order, didn't should you? Should I mention that Rosie the dog is here? Yeah, you should. Hello, She's Rosie. Here. She's just behaving like a golden girl down at my feet she's not noticing pretty non-plus for it all anyway right then matt what have we got to start with right first up is once i get this working again here we go player of the year the big one four nominees starting off meatily yes who goes first alternately go alternately can i go first you can i'm right i'm gonna go first um i think i think i mean i I spent a while on the train today trying to make the case in my own mind for somebody other than Novak Djokovic because I just thought, she's going to go for Novak Djokovic and I don't want to be the same. But I can't. I just can't. Because as wonderful as Simona Halep has been in winning her first Grand Slam title and being world number one, as wonderful as Naomi Osaka has been in winning her first Grand Slam title and Rafael Nadal, you know, he has won 11 of the things at the French Open... Again, I say it, the, the fact that Djokovic not only this year has won two Grand Slams and ended the year world number one, but to have done it in six months, to have completed, what, is it, what do they call it? The Golden Masters the golden or whatever? Golden Masters, which yeah. I still don't approve of. No, as, as a, but the idea that he would have done that... As a have, name. I, I cannot yet imagine using. anybody, even Djokovic fans... Q abuse. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody would have predicted that. And and the fact that he's done it from somebody who had a surgery to his elbow in what, March, February, March, I think is extraordinary. One of the biggest surges we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm desperate to disagree with you. There are my 
My sentimental winner isn't Novak Djokovic. My sentimental winner is Simona Halep because of how long longed for what she did this year was, what, uh, winning the French Open, how desperately she wanted it. Uh, the, the road to that for her was longer than the road for Djokovic between what he achieved a couple of years ago and what he ended up achieving this year. So she's my kind of sentimental winner. I could make an argument for Naomi Osaka as a sentimental winner as well, but I... What do you got up against Rafael Nadal? Well, apparently, with thanks to Patrick Ogier over there, the stats say Rafa. His win percentage for the year is the best. Okay. Um, but if we were just referring to stats all evening, then it wouldn't be a, a particularly entertaining podcast. But yeah, his win percentage for the year is, is, is best. He obviously missed a, a lot of significant events for the year. So that is a, a mitigation to that. And I do, to be honest, I do think there is a case to be made for the fact that we all do we are we have a bit of Rafael Nadal fatigue um because he's won so many of these clay court titles does anybody here have any Rafael Nadal fatigue well is it, how many people here voted oh. for him for player of the year there's some hands up I'm not sure anybody would have and yet he won an 11th French Open title our assembled audience here have been given a piece of paper where they get to vote and not one person here has voted for Rafael Nadal am I right Oh, Dave, Dave. Leave, Dave Levy has his hand up. Okay, explain yourself, Dave. I like being a contrarian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right then. Okay, so... So they voted for him because he knew no one else was going to vote for him. Can we <laughs> discount that? Um, but yeah, I do think we are guilty, all of us, of a little bit of Rafael Nadal fatigue. That, you know, he keeps winning these things. And all right, yeah, we all thought he was going to win the French Open again. He won the French Open again. Mm. He's won 11 of them. In terms of individ achievements at individual Grand Slams, that is greater than anything we've ever seen. But I'm not going to pick Rafael Nadal. I'm going to pick Novak Djokovic for all the reasons that you picked Novak Djokovic. Oh, OK. <laughs> Does that mean we don't get to find out what Mary Carrillo thinks? I mean, we, we, we could try it out. Try out the button, see if it works. We need to find out whether it works, don't we? Let's find out what Mary Carrillo thinks. Got to give it to Novak Djokovic. By far the best player of the second half of the year. Um, I was happy for Nadal. What he did winning his 11th French Open was amazing. Osaka wins her first major. Halep wins her first major. But it's gotten to the point now with the season that Novak Djokovic threw down. I will be surprised if he doesn't get to 20 majors. I'd be more surprised if he doesn't do that than if he does do that. Player of the year, Novak Djokovic. Not even a conversation. Wow. That's Not bold. even a conversation. It's bold. 20 grand slams he's going to win. So he's going to finish with as many as Federer's got now, at just, least. Just processing that. More likely that he will do it than that he... I mean, I think there's a good chance he will, whether I'd put that chance at over 50%. He's on 14, six more... Hands raised here. How many people think that Novak Djokovic will end up with more Grand Slam titles than anybody else on the men's circuit ever? Or when these three retire? We've got three, but one hand is from a known good predictor. Oh, who's that? <laughs> it's Rosemary, not the dog. Rosie, not the dog, that yeah. finished third in our predictions competition. That's a little bit of a spoiler for what's to come later. Um, but yeah, so that is that is although thin in numbers, the, 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 the although low on quantity, the quality of those hands speaks for something. Okay, all right. This is like pole well, vault in you, person, <laughs> isn't it? What do you think? This is brilliant. What do you think? Uh, I think they're all going to end up on the same amount. They're all going to have 
20 grand slams when they retire, aren't they? I'm getting booed. <laughs> this is great. Matt, what you got next? <laughs> yeah, moving on. Um, I mean, Mary said it wasn't even a conversation, and we've spent <laughs> 10 minutes talking about it. <laughs> okay. Um, what do I think about 20 slams? Yeah, go um, on. No, I don't think you'll get there. Right, carry on then. Okay, next. I'll introduce you to Mary later. <laughs> next category is Match of the Year. Once again, four nominations Nadal Djokovic at Wimbledon, that's semi final. Halep Kerber at the Australian Open, again a semi final. Nadal team in the US Open, which I know for a fact um, David and Catherine were trying not to fall asleep during while in New York. And not because it was bad. <laughs> And Stevens, Hallett, French Open final. What have you got? Do I have to go first? Yes. I can only go on which one I would most like to watch again. Right. And the one I would probably most like to watch again is Halep Kerber at the Australian Open. But I don't know if that's because it was the longest ago and I remember it the least well. Um, or is it because it was the shortest and you haven't got very long? But it was great. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I think because it was longest ago, we're, we're probably going to be liable to forget about it. Stevens Hallett, the French Open final, I think the reason that is in the nominations rather than their Montreal final, which probably you could argue was a better quality match. I think just the significance of what was on the line at the French Open, the, the drama that created just makes it that bit more significant and dramatic and memorable um, but I'm trying what I'm trying to do here is not to make a case for Nadal team because I think that's what you're going to go for I also think I am on the record on the podcast at that time declaring the fact that I fell asleep briefly in the fifth set <laughs> oh dear. it was like two o'clock in the morning yeah um, I didn't but it was extraordinary wasn't right. it it was absolutely extraordinary it was um, there's a lot of debate in tennis at the moment, which you wade into on Twitter a lot, David, about best of five sets versus best of three. There are those that would do away with best of five altogether. And I think that match alone just silences all of that argument. I don't know if there are any best of three proponents in this room. Mm. Not any that are prepared to speak up anyway. Um, but I think that match alone silences any um, argument for doing away with best of five okay. uh, at Grand Slams. Okay. So for me, I'm going for that. So Catherine's going for Halep Kerber. I am going for Stevens Halep. Um, the reason being... Having argued that it sh that one shouldn't even have been in the nominations. I did not. You did. You did. <laughs> when? You did. Did I? You said it should have been the Montreal final. Well, only... Yeah, but same players. It's the, it's the players, not the actual... Here's my reasoning. I think the, the best matches are not those that just go on the longest, which Djokovic and Nadal went on forever. Team Nadal went on forever. Yes, they were amazing. Yes, they were winners galore. It sounds galore. like you're arguing to do away with best of five. No, no, no. No, it's about styles of play. It's about what the two players bring to the table, right? <laughs> Halep against Kerber was, an, was, a, was another marathon. It was a marathon over three sets. The beauty of Stevens against Halep 
is you've got two completely different styles of play. You've got Halep, who was scurrying and chasing every last ball down, and you've got Stevens, who was playing some of the best tennis I've ever seen. I mean, I got roundly abused for saying how good that tennis was, only for her to end up losing the match. But the tennis that Stevens produced in the first set and a half is right up there with anything I've ever seen, and yet Halep still won. What about the tennis that Dominic Team produced in that six-love first set? Yeah, no, it was stunning, but it was hitting. It was just hitting. And we're not a fan of hitting. Don't tell him on I said tennis that. Podcast, right? Apparently, don't tell him I said that. But I, so I would go. I, I tell you, <laughs> Matt will tell us. We <laughs> we got a lot of stick for not putting one Martin Del Potro against Rafael Nadal at Wimbledon in this shortlist. Which I can I just quickly mention my brother who's not here tonight because he's got exams tomorrow. He says that's the best match he's ever seen live and would be protesting were he here tonight. Right. Okay. Big time. Is that why Rose is falling asleep? <laughs> yeah, she's right. so uninterested. Okay. <laughs> That's why she's not nominated in the dog category. Matt, what does Mary uh, say? Match of the year. There were so many good matches of the year. Uh, I'm the first to admit it, but I'm going to end up giving it to Kerber Hallam. Uh, Hallam Stevens French Open final was great. Great comeback by Simona, except then it looked to me like Sloan got very tired, and then the third set wasn't that good. Nadal team. Great match, unbelievable late night match. I'm disqualifying myself for giving that the match of the year because I fell asleep at the beginning of the fourth set. Uh, Nadal Djokovic was great. Not absolutely thrilling Wimbledon semifinal. Uh, but I'm giving it to Kerber and to Simona Halep because the, the effort was remarkable. They both held multiple match points. Uh, it was a great effort, great quality. Neither one of them ended up winning this year's Australian Open, but as we saw, Halep won the next major at Roland Garros, and good old Kerber won Wimbledon after that. So I'm giving that to the women, match of the year. Should say, we have not seen any of these videos from Mary. Matt has, but what's she talking about? I got a round of applause from the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not winning that. I'm, sure I'm pleased that Mary and I fell asleep at the same point in the Nadal team match. Okay. We're on a wavelength. Right. What's okay. next, Matt? Next category. Next up is comeback of the year. Novak Djokovic nominated again. Sharp intakes of breath in the room. Mm. Again, this was another category where we got dogs abuse on Twitter for, for <laughs> yeah. our nomination. I had a lot of aggro in the room tonight about Andy Murray even being nominated. Oh, really? The guy needs a new hip. Yeah. And he's still playing. He's, he's been playing tennis all yeah. year, needing a new hip. Oh, dear. Um, you go first, David. Okay. Um, it's Djokovic, Matek Sands, Murray and Serena Williams. Okay. I think, I think I'm going to go for Serena Williams. Um, as, as incredible as the comeback of Djokovic has been for all the reasons I've detailed earlier, Bethany Matek Sands, a little, to me... Matic Sands and Murray are in the same camp that they have recovered from injury and the fact that they're out on the court at all is just ex pretty extraordinary given the, the amount of time. But the speed with which Serena Williams has come back after giving birth and reaching Grand Slam finals, I just find mind-blowing, quite honestly. And, uh, and so I'm giving it to her. Yeah, Serena Williams, she had a baby. Move on. Okay. Done. 
Sorry, sorry Mary. You she don't had even get to. Baby reached two Grand Slam finals. Yeah. So it, okay. So no Mary for that one. That is, Mary, I mean, that is done. Mary picks Serena, right? Come on. Mary did not pick Serena. Is that Simon Briggs objecting to our decision over there? <laughs> Another uh, objection to Murray even being. Who would you have had that's not Andy Murray, Simon? Not this again. Not. <laughs> Simon Briggs is complaining about how Andy Murray wouldn't talk to the British media in Brisbane at the start of the year. Oh, well. <laughs> it, might, it might have been brought up a few times at the uh, Lawn Tennis Writers Association lunch, mightn't just, it? Just once. Um, right. They're friends again now, though. It's all right. I want to see the Mary video, Matt. You want to see it? I want to oh. see the Mary video. Okay. She didn't pick Serena. I want to know. She didn't. Ooh, ooh, I, um, it shakes my confidence. All right, to my mind, comeback of the year is only between two players, Serena Williams and Novak Djokovic. Serena, of course, coming back from motherhood, gets to two major finals, but doesn't win either one of them, doesn't even win a title in 2018. Novak comes back from surgery, wins two major titles, and ends up the year number one. Got to give yet another tennis podcast award to Novak Djokovic. A round of applause in the room just rippling there. My dad gave that a round of applause. Yeah, goodness me. The, okay. A round of applause by two people who have not been through childbirth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we have a comment here. I have something to say that not only did Serena have a child, which is wonderful, she nearly died and she still yeah. won two Grand Slams. That's like, sorry, two finals, I should say. That's like even better than having a baby. That's much more than an operation. Yeah, preach. That's quite a, quite a good point, actually. So, uh, so are we overruling Mary Carrillo? <laughs> I think we might well, be. No, the numbers carry, don't they? So it's two, two votes. But so. Mary, that was just a sentimental look at what Mary had to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's next, Matt? Let's try and disagree on this one. Breakthrough of the year. John Isner, another controversial pick. <laughs> <laughs> For various reasons. Arena Sabalenka, Mihaila Buzanescu, and Stefanos Tsitsipas. Am I going first? Mm. I am going to not go for John Isner. Um, I, I'm going to go for Mihaila Buzanescu, which I'm totally certain is not what you're going to go for or what Mary is going to go for. Uh, because I didn't know who she was this time last year. Hold my hands up. I did not know the name Mihaela Buzanescu, and I've said the name a lot this year. Um, what she's... I mean, we've talked about all the stats about the, the rise that Novak Djokovic has gone through. Hers, relatively to where she's got to and come from, is even more meteoric. And to do so at her... What is she, 30? Yeah. I think she's 30. I saw her play up close in Eastbourne, and I was absolutely blown away. She is this the most wiry thing she's so tiny and the power that comes off her racket it sort of it it thronged through me the 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 feeling of the ball coming off her racket from a, from about five meters away um and I sort of I had a, a little a little um moment of appreciating Mihaela Buzanescu that I can't get out of my system so I feel I I 
owe it to her in that moment to to pick her in this category and not John Isner. Honestly, I was absolutely cast iron in my own opinion until you started this thronged business of it going through you. Well, I'm still not going to go for that. Okay, um, because mine would be between Sabalenka and Sitsipas, because I think that their their arrival on the scene. I, I I didn't know too much about either of them. I'd, I'd I'd knew of them. I'd seen them play once each. I think, but they're the two most exciting young players that have come on the scene over the last twelve months, in my opinion. And I think I think many would agree with that. I'm going to go with Sitsipas because actually if you just look at the sheer numbers, he's risen from 91 in the world to 15 in the world. Sabalenka's gone from the 70s to, to 13, which, you know, there's not a lot between those two. But the other thing that Sitsipas has done is he's ruffled a few feathers and he's just not given a stuff who gets upset along the way. He, he is, he's not just there to be polite to the big three and four in the world and Alexander Zverev who thinks he owns the place <laughs> sits a pass comes out and says come on then I'm going to go for him what does Mary think? there were a lot of great breakthroughs this year it was a, a fun season to watch that to watch some veterans like John Isner come through Buzarnescu who's kind of out of it for a while coming through playing some very interesting tennis um, but I think this is between Paz and Arena Sabalenka Pass is going to be great, and he's going to be a lot of fun to listen to. The guy's got a lot going on in his brain pan, and he's going to be interesting and thoughtful, and he's got a big, big game. And when he throws it together, it's going to be an even bigger breakthrough. But for now, I am giving the breakthrough award to Arena Sabalenka, Warrior Princess. I just love this thing. I, I like everything oh, about wow. her. I like her game. I like her physique. I like her attitude. I think the breakthrough rivalry of the future will be between her and Naomi Osaka. They played one of the best matches of the year, fighting it off at the U.S. Open. She's the only person to get a set off of Osaka, the U.S. Open champion. So, again, Arena Sabalenka, warrior princess. She's going to have a big 2019. I mean... Or not, but that's what I think. It's How can you argue with that? I mean, about three, three years ago, we did our tennis podcast awards for the first time, and we had Alan Mills, Wimbledon referee, as our adjudicator. We've didn't upgraded we? now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> she said that, Alan. Um, and every time he said anything, we ended up saying, "He's right, isn't he?" And, and I think with the with the round of applause that accompanied Mary's verdict. Yeah. I think I'm overwhelmed have to say, by that. She's she's got a little pocket of support over in the uh, far left corner there. That, yeah, yeah, uh, should uh, be proud of. Our Kickstarter backers are behind hey, you, if, Mary. Hey, if 2019 holds an Osaka Sabalenka and a Sitsipas Zverev uh, rivalry, we're, we're all doing fine as yeah. tennis fans in this room. We we're all doing well. Yeah. Um, what we got next, Matt? Next achievement of the year. Caroline Wozniacki winning her first Grand Slam in Melbourne. Nadal winning his 11th French Open. Djokovic dropping down, as you've already mentioned, to 22, but then finishing the year number one. And Simona Halep winning her first Grand Slam at the French Open. Okay, me first. Well, I, I found this one difficult because I think all four of those are astonishing achievements. I think... This feels like a really momentous year overall that you that you have for that you can point to people that have not just won a Grand Slam, but it's a big deal for them in the context of their career over and above just winning a Grand Slam. I'm going to go for Caroline Wozniacki um, for the reason 
that I, th- I thought she would never win a Grand Slam. I thought Simona Halep eventually would win the French Open one way or another. Um, so that was a matter of time. I thought Wozniacki's time had passed. Um, and I never thought she would have the power in order to break through the very best players in the world. She did it from match point down in the first couple of rounds of the Australian Open. She took on Simona Halep, went deep into a match with Simona Halep and still ended up coming out. And I don't think she'll ever win another one either. But the fact that she's won one at all, I find amazing eight years after she got to world number one. I'm going to go for Simona Halep putting the French Open because I think uh, it, it, I, I can see a strong case for Wozniacki. made a very good case. But had each of those two got to the end of their careers not winning a slam, I would have considered it more of a travesty for Simona Halep uh, than for Caroline Wozniacki. Um, Simona Halep, especially given the scar tissue that she picked up in last year's French Open final, losing from a set and a break up to Yelena Ostapenko, given the losing position she found herself in again to Sloane Stephens to then come back and win it. For me, as a single moment of achievement, that was it for the year for me, without question. Well, this is going to be interesting. Mary? Achievement of the year... Achievement of the year, it was a great relief to me and so many of my press brethren that Simone of Halep finally won a major because we were all dying, man. We, we were really, things were looking rough for her. So her winning her first is a big deal, but come on, man. Rafa Nadal winning his 11th. No one ever has had such utter ownership of, of a sporting surface as Rafa has on the red clay. So I'm going to give the nod to Rafa. Uh, in this year when a lot of interesting and important things happened. Rafa going 11 times, uh, hoisting that trophy. I'm going to give that one to him. Booing in the room. <laughs> Charlie Eccleshare, come and explain yourself. Why are you applauding she, uh, this nomination for, for Rafael Nadal? Is she highlighting from, from on Mary Nadal Carrello. fatigue? Well, I was going to say Nadal before. That's an achievement of the decade of the century of tennis history that's something that will never ever potentially be done again players winning a maiden grand slam that'll happen next year the year after yeah but he wins it every year what's the difference no but 11, winning 11 that's a, an achievement so if he wins 12 will we give it to him again if he wins yeah 13, it's just gonna roll just on, roll on. the rafa nadal award for achievement <laughs> of the year <laughs> you're getting booed charlie charlie akushera from the telegraph a round of applause at the back there from Barbara Travers. Thank you very much. Yes, Charlie, who's a wonderful contributor to the tennis podcast, along with Simon Briggs. We couldn't do it without them, even if that was wrong. What's next, Matt? Well, hang on. So who actually won that? Um, no, Mary. That, Mary. No, that's null and void, isn't it? It's null and void. I mean, Raphael Nadal wins Raphael it, apparently. of Mary, yeah? Begrudging. We can't overrule her twice. Yeah, I th- what, what about a public, public vote? Public vote. In a room a, a vote. Referendum. Okay, who's going to go <laughs> yeah, for... Referendum go well. Caroline Wozniacki. Who's going for Caroline Wozniacki? We've oh, got no. in here one, two, three, four, Simon. five, six, seven, eight people. Who's going to go for Simona Haller? one with her hand up. We've got one, two, three, four, five. Okay, who's going for Rafael Nadal? We've got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We've got two eights. <laughs> Oh, thanks very much, Simon Briggs. Great idea, that was. Where's Rosie? Neither of my parents voted with me. Rosie? <laughs> Rosie's Halep. fallen asleep. She, Rosie says Halep, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, sit if you think Halep. Sit. If you think Wozniacki? Yes. <laughs> okay, well, that one's a draw, isn't it? So that one doesn't count. Uh, so what have we got next? Disappointment of the year. Okay. Um, Serena Sharapova, the match that never was at Roland Garros, the Davis Cup reforms, Grigor Dimitrov just in general, and <laughs> Nick Kyrgios just in general. It's funny, isn't it? Nick Kyrgios and Grigor Dimitrov, two players who we have just thrown ourselves at the feet of for years. Um, so yeah, what do you think? Yeah, staked our reputations on. Yeah. Thanks very much, lads. They're in um, smithereens. Yeah, for think? that reason, I am going for Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, because... Ooh, there's agreement in the room. Yeah, Your I like mom it. is I right like behind it. Yeah, she's getting rowdy. Yeah. Um, uh, because this time last year, I would not have defended a lot of the behaviour of Nick Kyrgios. I would have um, admitted many of his flaws, but still said, I feel he's a force for good in tennis and I would buy a ticket to watch his matches. I do not feel that way anymore. I feel like he's an irrelevance frankly. Um, he's made himself an irrelevance. Um, he's just not a factor. He's not somebody that I would turn up to watch play because I think there's a 90% chance I would be disappointed. I can't remember the last time I saw him really show up at a big match in a Grand Slam, you know, like he surprised Nadal at Wimbledon in what feels like three decades ago. His match with Andy Murray at the Australian Open there's not been a Nick Kyrgios moment to sustain us, to sustain us through his bad times. And you thought this would be for different a long at the time. start of the year? Yeah, I did. I think I had him in my top eight. I think you I had him in did, my yeah. World Tour Finals yeah. top eight. Um, and I feel so let down by him because I, I put a lot of hope and faith in him despite his flaws. And it's, it's not his flaws that, have, uh, that I'm disappointed in. in. It's the fact that tennis-wise, he's an irrelevance now. Oh. Not necessarily forever, although I have my doubts, but for now, he is an utter irrelevance. Catherine Whitaker pulling punches. Um, I'm going to go for the... Thumbs up from the back from Ingrid Benzer. Yeah, OK. Well, I'm going to go for the Davis Cup reforms. Um, and the reason for that, I personally, unlike many, I love them. I, I, the general gist of reform of the Davis Cup I, I love um, because I think... For too long, the event has, has faded away from the view of people. And it's not that I don't love it. I do. The home and away atmosphere. I mean, I've been to so many Davis Cup ties and I've, I've loved all of them. But it needs, it needs to be more than that. It needs, to be, it needs to be the fifth slam. It needs to be the one that everybody turns to uh, as, as being an absolutely massive deal. All eyes need to be on it. And... When it was first announced that these changes were going to happen, I thought, this is it. This is going to happen. But the fact that it's not the reforms as such, although they've obviously not gone very well because otherwise more people would be behind it. But the fact that it has, has ended up just separating the tennis world and, and ending up with this gridlock of two events. Is and that the reforms' fault? It's, yeah, well, yeah, it's in as much as the reforms have just ended up making it worse. I, I'm still hopeful that eventually it will be an, it'll end up being better. But it's the biggest disappointment to me that those reforms 
are going as badly as they are and that players are saying they're not going to show up and, and the ATP is getting its own event a few weeks afterwards when this thing should be something that we all celebrate and all want to be at. Mary? Mary again. This is, this is going to be an interesting one. The first one of the evening where Mary goes a little bit off piece. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there were some big disappointments of the year. I'm not personally happy with the Davis Cup reforms. I'm, I've been pretty noisy about that. Nick Kyrgios needs help, and he's recognized that, and so I'm glad to know that that's going to happen. And Grigor Dimitrov, who played so well at the end of last year, that too is disappointing. Um, honestly, my biggest disappointment, if I can do a write-in, is Muguruza. Uh, you know, she's won a couple of majors. She's got a big game. She's got a lot of attitude. Um, I, I think Muguruza for me is the biggest disappointment of the year and I hope she turns it around because I, I like her. I like her game. I hate the toxicity between Muguruza and her coach. I hope that cha either changes or goes away because it doesn't look like it's doing any, either one of them any good. So right now I'd say the disappointment is Muguruza and the great hope is that in 2019 that all changes. Muguruza, I campaigned to have on the short list, didn't she I? She was on the long list, yeah. 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 I, I was overruled, everybody. Yeah. Moving on. So who won that? Mary again. Yeah, Muguruza again. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> if I'm we sure don't agree, Lobinia we will be delighted when she's informed. <laughs> 18 in the world, she ended the year. And I, I think Mary makes a very good point there. And I think everyone in our predictions had her in the top eight at the end of the year. Right. Okay, well, there we are then. Right, next category is surprise of the year. Now, this is a slightly difficult category to define. We've just gone with, <laughs> just gone with a few things that shocked us a little bit. The first one is Marco Trangeletti driving from Barcelona to Paris to take up his place in the French Open. With his grandma in the car. With his grandma in tow. Roger Federer arriving on centre court in Uniqlo rather than Nike or Nike. Um, Simona Hallett playing without a sponsor, world number one without a sponsor at the Australian Open, and Federer not winning the Sportsmanship Award at the end of the year for the first time in forever. Yeah, I've gone for Simona Hallett uh, not having a clothing sponsor. She was world number one. It was and it didn't get nearly enough attention. So a year later, let's try and get it the attention it deserved at the time. She was world number one. Right, it wasn't my decision. Playing at a Grand Slam. She had to go to a dressmaker. I know this is, you know, what normal people have to do, but it's not what a world number one has ever had to do. She had to go to a dressmaker and have one made for her in plain, because... Ad, the reasoning I heard was Adidas dropped her to put more into Garbini Muguruza. <laughs> so see, see previous awards, you know. Can we have she Adidas as disappointment of the year? number one. Right. And she had no clothing sponsor and it was a shameful state of affairs. And I hope um, Adidas feel silly about it. I dare say that. But do. also maybe want to sponsor this podcast in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good pitch. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for Roger Federer not receiving Sportsmanship uh, Award of the Year, having won it 15 years, I think, out of 16. Uh, I think there was one year previously that Rafael Nadal won it, and he won it again this year. It, 
I mean, to me, it's it's not that I think Federer should have been getting it all of those years. I've I think it's frankly laughable that he does. Not that he's not a good sport. He is. But there's loads of good sports out there, and I think it's a real shame that some of those who who have shown great sportsmanship have not been acknowledged over the years. And uh, and so, yeah, I was amazed by that, but I was also pretty pleased. There's by dissent it. in the room at your statement that Federer is a good sport. He is a good sport. Oh, okay. Come and come and explain yourself. Uh, tell us. Uh, try not to tread on Rosie there, who's just <laughs> under your feet. What, why is Roger Federer not a good sport, sir? There are plenty of opportun- plenty of times when he treats the staff on the court, the umpires, and his opponents with disrespect, and he gets away with it because of the aura of Roger Federer. Ooh. Hmm. Ooh. Not sure. I agree with that. What do you think? I, I'm struggling to, to think of examples of that. I do think his sense of sports sportsmanship is slightly inflated. I think he's broadly speaking a good sportsman, but it's laughable that he's received that award 15 times yes. in a row. And also laughable that, as I think I said in the podcast at the time, Nadal has been no better a sportsman this year and Federer no worse. It just feels like they've gone, all right, you, you have a go. You deserve it over yeah. the years. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, the Who, fellow players. Is it? Yes, it is. The yeah, fellow players. The fellow isn't players. It? That's right. yeah. 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 Do you think there's lobbying that goes on behind the scenes? Do you think <laughs> Federer's agent goes around <laughs> goes around uh, with a list of instances where Federer has been really sporting? I don't year? know. He's a great guy. What does Mary He's think? A really great guy. Mary thinks the following. All right. Surprise. Let's talk about the surprise of the year. Uh, I knew about Halep. And her clothing deal in the off-season, so that did not surprise me. I also knew about Federer uh, dealing with Uniqlo, so it did not surprise me when he walked out on court at Wimbledon with his new clothing. I thought it was very cheesy. I thought that whole presentation got a little too cheesy, and I'm not afraid of cheese, but wasn't too big on that. Uh, the great surprise of the year for me was Marco <laughs> Marco Trungaliti. Uh driving his way uh, from Spain to Paris to play uh, at Roland Garros this year. It was just a delightful story, and it went on for a couple of days. Uh, Some of the prettiest moments, I think, of the whole season happened at the French Open when the press room came down because they're rebuilding it for next year, and and everybody in press got to write stuff and take pictures, and champagne was flowing. that was another great surprise of the year as well. Uh, a lot of smiles, a lot of laughter. But yeah, I'm giving the surprise of the year to the guy who drove uh, his way to the French Open and into our hearts. Yeah. Any of us could have driven to the French Open. We all got driving licenses. Move on, Matt. So you're overruling Mary again? <laughs> no, I mean, I accept it. She's but, right, you know, but begrudgingly we're just annoyed that we didn't get it right i could have put i could have put my grandma in a car and <laughs> i don't want to finish that train of thought okay. so let's right. crack on pr gaff of the year so many contenders yeah we needed a longer short list for this didn't we uh serena williams catsuit ban uh katrina adams's general reaction to the whole serena asaka incident Nadal Djokovic Saudi Arabia exhibition and having a not before start time for the Wimbledon women's final. Okay. Well, I'm going to go for Katrina Adams and her reaction to Serena and Osaka. I mean, 
look, I, I feel like I could make a, a strong case for every single one of those. And, and let's be honest, we're not comparing like for like um, with, with some of these because the Saudi Arabia exhibition, you know, maybe that should be, that's the most important in many ways. Um, but I, I was in the stadium when Katrina Adams took the mic and I was also a recipient of the, the press release with her statements the, the, a few hours after the, the whole incident took place where she just threw a chair umpire under the bus, just threw him to the wolves and just didn't back him at all. Um, and effectively said to the game, stars rule. And, you know, if it's Serena Williams, she's a big star and, and we're not going to we're not going to object to anything she's done, really. That's, that's how it came across to me, and I, I thought that was appalling. I agree with you, David. Um, I considered going for Saudi Arabia because I agree with you. That's probably the most serious and egregious um, offence, not just in PR terms, on that list up there. But I decided tonight's festivities are probably not the night to go into details about uh, Saudi Arabia's um, human rights violations. So uh, I've elected to go for uh, Cat Adams and what was just laughable uh, communications behaviour, just truly laughable. Um, Yeah, and exactly as you say, the messaging that that her behaviour sent, I, I think, is truly damaging actually to to the to to the sport to a sport which particularly on the men's side at the moment is kind of being held to ransom by star power by names in an unhealthy way yes of course they they're always going to have sway but i feel it's a bit unhealthy at the moment and i think that the way she dealt with what happened at the u.s open has added to that problem uh, and uh, that is to the detriment of us all okay do we get to find out what Mary thinks? Can we find out? Okay. Does anybody want to find out what Mary thinks? Yeah, yeah of course you do. That was That's unanimous. All right, there are a lot of PR gaps of the year. <laughs> Hard to choose just one, but I'm giving it to Katrina Adams, the way she handled things um, on court after the US Open final ended and Naomi Osaka was beside herself, you know, crying and Serena doing the same thing and the crowd booing. This was not a booable moment. Um, Katrina said in the days after that that she had missed a lot of what had happened in that match because she was making her way down from the president's box to the court. Uh, No. Nope. Nope. Uh, Her choice of words were unfortunate and I'm sure she didn't mean it to come out the way it came out, but that's how it came out. But there are a lot of PR guests at the U.S. Open alone. The Became the coaching open, Mohamed Leani trying to coach <laughs> Nick Kyrgios into winning the match against good old Pierre Uger Bear, who'd beaten Kyrgios at Wimbledon earlier that summer. I mean, the silence after that, I mean, there, not enough was done quickly enough for that whole incident, to my mind. Um, they sat Leani down, but they were kind of quiet about that. Um, and Carlos Ramos... That, to me, is a PR gap of the year, that this very fine man, this very good umpire, um, was greeted with mostly silence, but by all kinds of people who should have stood up for the guy. So that, to me, was the PR gap of the year, um, the way that Carlos Ramos was treated, not just by Katrina, by pretty much everybody. 
Our first consensus of the evening. Yeah, I'm quite pumped. <laughs> on, the, on PR gaff of the year. Right, let's keep the ball rolling. Next up is Coach, with a nod to Mohamed Leani, as, uh, <laughs> as Mary said. But we've got Darren Cahill, Dmitry Tursanov, Sasha Bayin and Marion Vida. Do I go first? Uh, first of all, I think it's a dreadful shame there's no women in there. I hope that's not the situation this time next year or in years to come. Um, I desperately tried to look for one to nominate, uh, and I couldn't, and that's a sorry state of affairs. But... Um, uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go slightly reluctant. No, I'm not. I'm going to go for Marion Vider. I was going to try and talk myself out of going for Marion Vider, but I'm going to go for Marion Vider. He's a lovely bloke, isn't he? Because it's quite often difficult in tennis too, because you don't have you don't have the control sample of what that player would be like without their coach you just have them doing brilliantly they have their coach so you have to assume that a certain amount of that is down to their coach to varying degrees for different players with Djokovic we kind of have a control sample of uh, a couple of years of Novak Djokovic without Marion Vida and it wasn't pretty it wasn't pretty on the court wasn't pretty physically wasn't pretty mentally you know he was eating seemed to only be eating sludgy green smoothies for a while um, and Marion Vida came in and said, eat something that's not sludgy green smoothies. Um, and yeah, he's a lovely bloke. He's I thought they were supposed to be good <laughs> for you. I think they are if you don't eat exclusively sludgy green slip smoothies. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we have hard evidence of the influence that Marion Vida has on Novak Djokovic on the court and off the court. And it's irrefutable. However... <laughs> We also have hard evidence of the impact of Sasha Bayan, who is my selection for Coach of the Year. And I think part of it is because he has been quietly going about his business as, in inverted commas, the hitting partner of Serena Williams, Victoria Azarenka, Caroline Wozniacki for a decade. And I always think, feel that that's a real kick in the teeth to, to somebody like him who's clearly a lot more than that he's had a lot of impact in the careers of all of those can you concentrate on what I'm saying rather than feeding Rosie Rosie stop gate crashing podcast you've already done that once that's why you're here anyway um, Sasha Bayer this year was given the, the head coach job with Naomi Osaka and yeah she's an incredible talent but he has harnessed and moulded and helped with bring out the very best in her and helped her fulfil her potential in inside a year and so I would give it to him and he's also like Marion Vider a very very nice bloke well they should have been in the good egg category then shouldn't they <laughs> we need Mary again this is going to be a fun one <laughs> okay coach of the year great category you can't go wrong with this one I'm not going to argue too hard with anyone who says it's Dmitry Tursunov or Marion Vida clearly or Darren Cahill, but I'm giving it to Big Sasha. Sasha Bayin was able to bring it out of Naomi Osaka, uh, who is a quirky, very individualistic kind of a player and person. And Sasha, you know, he, he spent a long time around champions, especially Serena, for eight years. And he was able to get to this kid uh, in ways that were kind of remarkable and kind of sweet and beautiful. And I always thought that he was undervalued 
Uh, people would call him a hitting partner for way too many years. Um, Big Sasha, I'm going to give him uh, the nod. Again, I'm not going to fight hard with anybody who wants to give it to Marian Vida or Darren or Tursanov, but my vote is for Sasha. Yes! <laughs> well, uh, well said, Mary. Oh, I love David's smug face. <laughs> <laughs> if we're keeping count of who is agreeing with Mary more, it's currently two all between you. Oh, so, so apparently we are keeping count. Yeah. Right then. <laughs> Next. Next is Tennis Dog of the Year. Joe Who came up with this category? <laughs> Joe Conter's dog, Blue. Sasha, Sasha Zverev, and I think the whole Zverev family's dog, Lovic. Shapovalov's dogs, whose name we don't, we don't know. Any, if anyone knows, let us know. And Del Potro's beloved, God rest his soul, Cesar. I should say that Rosie, at the moment, has turned her back <laughs> on the awards and on her owner. Uh, as having not even been shortlisted for this particular award. She's whoring herself out for camembert down <laughs> in the front row. I see that. Um, <laughs> however, uh, in the absence of Rosie, who I would definitely have voted for uh, had she been there, um, I'm going to go for Del Potro's dog because... Because he looks exactly like Del Potro. Just big and cuddly. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for Del Potro's dog. You've got nothing to say. God rest his soul. Um, Is that how you, like, gauge your dogs? Is it? I'm going to go for Del Potro's dog because um, uh, he's dead. Right. uh, Okay. And it genuinely, when he uh, wrote a tribute to Caesar uh, on the camera, was it Indian Wells or Miami? Uh, Indian Wells, I think, when he wrote a tribute to to, to Caesar, R.I.P. on the camera after winning the title in Indian Wells, I I shed a little tear. Yes, um, I heard about that. And it it genuinely moved me. Mm. And um, for that reason, I have to. I mean, look, look at him. Yeah. Look Ro- at him. I know this doesn't work on radio, but Rosie has completely go- shunned you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's not, it's not up to me. You'd have Got been on there. Got our own business going on. Yeah. Uh, so we're agreed, but I would like to give a little shout-out to Joe Conter's dog, Blue. I understand that she, um, she's she got a new agent, hasn't she? And that seemed to coincide with... Joe Conter's her... dog's got an agent? No, Joe Conter's got a new agent. Oh. And at a similar time to her employing this new agent, she got the world's cutest dog. I'm oh. not saying those two things are linked, but... Okay. If I was someone's agent and... I would say get well, yourself I, a really I, cute I dog. I know we're People not supposed to, but dogs. I want to know what Mary thinks. Cause Go on then. Why not? Dog of the year. Right in boot. Petey boy Carrillo. That's outstanding beast. That's right, buddy? Right in boot. You know, this is Petey, and this is his close personal friend, Jeffrey with a G. Is that correct? Yes. Um, some great dogs, but again, I am going to put in a right in boot for Lady Katie. Kevin Anderson's dog he she wasn't on the how can she not be on the list she's a, a rescue dog outstanding very quiet very appreciative you know fits in a handbag um cesar i'm sure one martin del patro will miss cesar forever that looked like an outstanding beast uh joe conta's got his gorgeous new dachshund but hasn't been around hasn't paid dues yet so maybe next year that dog can be dachshund uh, of the year, and I do like Zverev's dog and Shapovalov with that goofy little thing he brings to his matches. It's all good, but I'm going to give it right in vote, Lady Katie. 
and also PD boy Carrillo. Would anybody else here have gone with uh, Kevin Anderson's dog? Charlie Eccleshay did query with me why Lady Katie wasn't on the shortlist. Right. Who would have gone with Del Potro's dog? That Dog's m- dead, guys. He's <laughs> never going to be nominated again. <laughs> that got you an extra vote. Okay, right. Uh, on we go. I just feel Lady Katie's a bit sort of PR hungry. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I see a lot of Lady Katie. Kelsey listens to this. <laughs> I like Lady Katie. I've already been in trouble with her once. Okay, carry on. Good egg of the year. We've oh. got uh, Marin Chili, <laughs> Ashley Barty, John Millman, who, for those who can see the screen, can do fantastic things with his tongue. <laughs> like. <laughs> as can Catherine Whitaker. Um, <laughs> And Kevin Anderson. I'll, I'll throw that back to you before I say anything else that I shouldn't say. Probably for the best. Uh, okay, my go. Um, I'm going to go for Marin Cilic, who, whilst I, I feel really strongly that Kevin Anderson has, has not only made a great career for himself the last couple of years, I think he's, he's, he's an example of somebody who, just by being a good bloke who's prepared to stick his neck on the line a little bit and stand up for something has really resonated with a few people. But Marin Cilic has been around for more than 10 years now and he doesn't really have a a kind of group of fans. He doesn't really have a sort of following. He doesn't. We all like him, but like people are not Marin Cilic fans. They don't go to, to watch him play and sort of, why am I getting myself in trouble here? Now, look, I just think he are should. Are they Kevin Anderson fans? I think that, I don't know. I think it's too short a time sample. I think, well, of course there are fans, but you know what I mean. I just think Marin Cilic is the loveliest bloke to deal with behind the scenes as we get to when we're at tournaments. Nothing is too much trouble. Uh, We've had situations where he's agreed to post a a, a racket to to us at Queen's to to be auctioned off. And he's, he's there the day after Wimbledon in the queue at DHL to get it sent and he's calling you and he's all worried about it as it arrived you know he's just a lovely bloke and um, and I I really want to give him some recognition I can't believe you haven't gone for Kevin Anderson after you got involved in Twitter aggro with Kelsey over accusing her husband of not having charisma I didn't this was your chance to win it back quite like that I you know, he might not. I'm not going to be mis- bullied. He might not be Mr. Charisma, were your words. Yeah, well, I stand by it. <laughs> he, but he's a great bloke. He's just not quite as great a bloke currently as Marin Chilic. Um, <laughs> I'm really in trouble now. <laughs> I see strong arguments for all of them, but given Matt that you have used that particular photo. Um, if you'll allow me a, a moment of indulgence, I'm going to choose John Millman because... So that moment came about at Queen's because he was doing a behind-the-scenes uh, video with some, some colleagues of mine, including Patrick, our editor-producer, who's at the back of the room, diligently filming this moment, and Matt, uh, Richard Osman, for the night. Um, and uh, for some reason, I wasn't there at the time, it emerged that he could do this thing with his tongue. And uh, I was on the Queen's WhatsApp group and these photos were coming through of John Millman doing this weird thing with his tongue. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do that th- weird thing with my tongue. Arrived at, uh, uh, from the uh, Amazon studio offsite, arrived later on 
at Queen's, John Millman, because he's a lovely, lovely guy, had agreed to come on our live podcast. And uh, that beautiful moment happened. We found ourselves kindred spirits doing that weird thing with our respective tongues. And then uh, he beat <laughs> he beat Roger Federer uh, at the US Open. And the next day he came to the... Uh, Prime Video Studio, great, great moment, everyone very excited, I'm there, I greet him, I put my hand out and I say, hey, I'm the tongue girl, and he, uh, he proceeded like I was a normal person and gave me a normal interview and managed at least to pretend that he wasn't judging me for that terrible, terrible moment that I think yeah. about in shame every night. For those listening and not in the room, Go to our Instagram page and we will show what she's talking about because then it will make a little bit more sense. Um, I should say as well, Mary Carrillo is the person who came up with this category. Um, so let's find out what she thought. All right. Egg of the Year Award. Uh, normally, I would give it to that very large, tall egg, Kevin Anderson. But I just gave his dog, Lady Katie, a write-in Dog of the Year vote. So I'm going to go with Ash Barty, who is... Wonderful. Just an all-around uh, athlete, all-around tennis player, and all-around good person. And she's funny, and she's thoughtful. Um, I do really believe, I mean, you can pick maybe a dozen eggs out there, but she, to me, is the egg of the year. Ash Barty, well done. I love the miracles of egg of the year. Not good egg, just any old egg. Yeah. Right. Round I mean, I'm, good. I'm really good at that. She's my favourite to interview of all those four up there. She's, she's a corker. I, I did an interview with her at Eastbourne, and at the end of the... It, she, she'd, she'd really gone out of her way, given brilliant answers, and at the end of the interview, I said, oh, thanks, thanks, Ash, that's really, really nice of you. And she was saying, oh, too easy. <laughs> uh, if, only every bit, if only everybody reacted that well at the end of an interview. Yeah. Caroline Wozniacki. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got, <laughs> Matt? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. <laughs> Next is our least media-friendly award. Uh, Nick Kyrgios. Caroline Wozniacki are not on this. <laughs> She's not, no. Yeah. Nick Kyrgios, Alex Verev, Sloane Stevens, and Jack Sock. Okay. Is it my go? I think it's your go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for. Um, I'm going to go for Jack Sock, and I don't even. I don't shares even, nodding, David. I'm, I'm not putting. Sternly. Yeah, we'll get Charlie's verdict in a minute. It's and it's not just the way he treats the media, which I haven't got a huge amount of experience of. And I know some people who, who do have a lot of good things to say about Jack Sock. I don't know him personally, but I've just seen some things from him on court this year, treating umpires and, and, and opponents in a way that, I don't know, it just turns my stomach a bit. And I'm sure it's just based on the moment, the heat of the moment, and uh, and things not going well. And he's had an absolutely appalling year on the singles court. Brilliant doubles year, but he's been terrible in singles and he's been losing a lot. But I don't know. I just think it costs nothing to, to just treat people decently and, and those in the chair and your opponents and their teams, that's where it should start. Yeah, I mean, strictly the pre Citron is behaviour towards the media, right? Um, and I'm tempted to go for Sloane Stevens because my personal experience of those four is with Sloane Stevens being the most difficult. But however, that I, I'm sure, I hope lots of you in the room listened to the podcast with Mary Carrillo at the French Open. She gave a lot of insight into Sloane sort of as a person when she's not sort of being put on the spot by the media and kind of explained why she's so standoffish with the media. I don't necessarily buy into all of it I still think you know it's nice to be nice even if you've got issues with people just you can at least be pleasant um, <laughs> but uh, given that I know that Mary won't agree with me about Stone Stevens I'm going to go for Jack Sock as well because I, I don't get the best vibes I don't know I'd like to be wrong um, let's get Charlie there's a lot of hands going up in the room I don't have that much personal experience of him but I I know people that have and one what, of them what? is about to speak. Why are you saying uh, Jack Sock, Charlie? Well, I've spoken to him a couple of times. In the first time, actually, he was, he was coming across all right. But then he started making claims like, those who know me say I'm the nicest person in the world. Which sounded like the sort of thing Donald Trump might say. It was just so ridiculously over the top. Just like say that, no, I, I come across differently. Those who know me say I'm different. You don't need to be so ridiculously over the top. And at that point, I was like, nah, this guy's an idiot. Okay, <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> pulling no punches. We got we got another contribution to the bat there. While you make your way up, uh, Daryl, let's just find out what Mary Carrillo has to say. Okay, this is an interesting award to give out. A lot of people have issues with Sloane Stevens. I I happen not to. I mean, I know she can sort of seem very California and chill and flaky. Um, 
I, I wouldn't give her that award. I wouldn't give it to Nikirios because, again, I think he's struggling. I think when he cannot articulate what he is doing or why he is doing it, it's because he really doesn't know. Um, Jack Sock, I kind of feel this, uh, the same way about Sock. He doesn't bother me. Sasha Zverev is going to have to get used to answering a lot of the same questions over and over again. Um, we have seen Roger Federer do it for about 20 years. Um, it's not enough to say, I've already answered that question, or I answered that a couple of days ago, or last week. Um, but Sasha will come to understand that. He's a, a bright guy. Again, another write-in write award uh, for me, Venus Williams. I think she has become very difficult. She doesn't play much, and of late she hasn't won that much. Uh, Venus is not afraid to give one-word answers in press conferences, uh, and to create a tone, a mood, an environment where you don't even want to press it anymore with her. Um, I hope that changes because she's clearly in this final phase of her tennis life and we need someone who's articulate and well-spoken and thoughtful and Venus is all of that. And I hope she brings that back uh, next year, but she sure didn't do it this year. Okay, so there is uh, Mary Carilla on Venus Williams. Another man who has experience of Venus Williams is Mr. Simon Briggs. Simon, your verdict? Well, I've spoken about Venus on this programme before. I think she should have the award not just this year, but in perpetuity. Um, but I would say that I think it has been quietly suggested to her backstage that if she doesn't want to do press conferences, you know, in general, she might just be able to sort of just do away with them and people will be encouraged not to ask for her after the kind of the, the level of, of, of banality that they, they tend to produce and, and she kind of keeps on kind of coming up. I don't, I don't know if that's 100% uh, accurate, but that, that's, that's what I heard that in some cases, it's like people have said to her, let's just not worry about this. We don't have to go, go in, and, and sit in the press room. And she kind of comes in anyway and, and we all go through the kind of pointless routine. So I just, I can't understand why it's such a, a kind of pointless exercise for all. But you still go to her press conferences? I don't normally, no. <laughs> but I, 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 do ha I, I do sort of think I should go to one eventually and ask why we were all there. You know? And, and, and it, what she thinks, if she thinks everyone did that, then would, would the media even exist? And would that be a good or a bad thing for tennis? Mm. Simon Briggs. Let's just get a very quick word on Jack Sock from Daryl. Yep. Um, so I have to admit, I didn't understand what the category meant. And I thought, who's most likely to look a bit of a wally driving a cheap French car? And I went for Jack Sock, and it's my first point in this prediction league, so I'm, I'm quite chuffed. The Prix de Citron, we should just elaborate. Thank you very much for that, Daryl. Okay, what's our next category? Three more to go, folks. <laughs> Agro of the year. Um, the various bullying of Sitsipas online, particularly by Kyrgios and Kokinakis. Uh, Pavic and Mau at the O2, where Pavic accused Mau of acting. Serena Williams at the US Open, enough said. And Wozniacki to uh, Makarova at Wimbledon after Makarova just beaten her, telling her that she won't go far. I mean, I'd, lo I'd love to <laughs> find a way uh, to make any kind of case for something that's not Serena Williams at the US Open. I don't think we found like a word for Serena Williams at the in the US Open final yet. Like, is it got a gate? Like, what what is it? What do we call it? Serena Gate, US Open yeah. Gate. Let's go with that. Serena Gate. Final Gate. Um, yeah, I mean there were <laughs> so many categories this 
could have been nominated in and that it cropped up in on the long list. So we kind of had to limit uh, its appearance, lest it dominate the awards in the way that it's kind of dominated the year, even though it took place at the end of the year. I mean, it was the biggest single moment of drama in 2018 tennis in a year which featured, I think, a lot of drama. And, um, yeah, I've never seen Agro like it. It was it was shocking, it's absolutely it- shocking, and, and heightened by all the various fallout, some of which has been discussed after it. I mean, are, are there words that haven't been said about Serena Gate, US Open Gate, Agro Gate? I mean, racist cartoons, you know, yeah. Katrina Adams, her interview on Australian TV where she just openly asked her PR to step in and shield her from the questioning on it. A lot Perfect opportunity for her just to say, look, I made a mistake at the moment. I'm really sorry. Mm. It's not hard. No, a lot happened. Uh, <laughs> I'm not happened? going for it. I'm not going for it because to me, as, a, as somebody who is a bit of an agro connoisseur, um, I believe agro is to be enjoyed. And I don't think anybody enjoyed that, that episode. However, when, Ma- when uh, Mate Pavic and Nikola Mahu... You are Mahou, exhausting, David. What? <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> when Mate Pavic and Nikola Mahu got into it at the O2 and started bad-mouthing each other and, and one accused the other one of faking injury and then went and told the press afterwards and then they said, all right, well, I'll see you at the Davis Cup final. Now that is the sort of aggro I enjoy. Is that... Right, okay. Should we find out what Mary thinks? Uh, aggro of the year. Got to give it to Serena Williams. I mean, Wozniacki too. You know, she's got the reputation for being very kind and sweet, and she is all of that, but she's also Bambi with a bite when she gets aggravated. Um, and that's what happened when she lost early at this year's Wimbledon. But at the U.S. Open this year, you know, Serena showed again how much that particular major wins her, uh, means to her that it's her home slam. It's the fourth major of the year. She always puts so much pressure on herself. Her worst behavior in her whole career seems to have come at the U.S. Open, whether it was losing to Kim Kleisters in the semifinals of Sam Stozer in the U.S. Open final or this year against Osaka in the final. A lot of that pressure gets to her and mounts, especially because she hadn't won a title in 2018. Uh, this was her chance. Um, that was a very, very rough thing to watch. And... For sure, for me, that was the hardest thing of the year to watch. She, she's just got a different definition of aggro to me. To me, it's to be savoured. Don't make me list all the aggro that is not enjoyable for you, <laughs> David. Anyway, we move on. Instagrammer of the year, Andy Murray, Stefanos Tsitsipas with his Steve the Hawk alias, um, Serena and Olympia and Roger Federer for the Quokka selfie alone. I'm going for Andy Murray. Um, and, I mean, there's, I think one of the reasons is because he's reinvented himself social media-wise using Instagram. He's basically ditched Twitter as a, as a, a, as a less friendly place to be. And he's also become a bit of a connoisseur of pole vault on, on Instagram, which... Which I enjoy, and um, but I, I think actually, I mean, Simon will hate this because if we go back to the start of the year, he 
he put out an Instagram post which detailed chapter and verse why he missed the game so much, how, how heartbroken he was not to be able to play it. And he, he put a picture of himself as a, as a little boy up there with it. I thought it was a wonderful post. I felt very sorry for my colleagues who were out there trying to speak to him themselves. Uh, and then he suddenly puts chapter and verse on Instagram. But I think uh, as somebody who uses a social media outlet, I think Andy Murray has absolutely nailed Instagram. Yeah, it's Andy Murray. I mean, he's the Instagrammer of the year, isn't he, in tennis? I mean, as a single post, uh, br- br- that picture of that picture of Federer with the quokka brings me so much joy. <laughs> if I'm feeling low, that's the that's the one I'll go to. <laughs> but uh, as a as a year long output, uh, I'll give it to Andy Murray. But but if you haven't seen the picture, obviously everyone in the room has is gazing at it with with wonderment right now but if you haven't seen the picture of a sort of bearded swarthy Roger Federer uh, with a joyful looking quokka then check it out because it's like Prozac in picture form what does Mary think? Instagrammarian of the year not even a conversation Andy Murray he's done it again he's done it year after year his mom's pretty good at this stuff too um Yes, the Federer Quokka photo was outstanding, but Karen Hachinoff was even better. Um, this is a very easy vote for Andy Murray. He, um, he says what he means. He means what he says. He stands up for women. He is my favorite feminist in all of tennis on the WTA or the ATP side. Andy Murray, congratulations. We salute you. Well, oh, yeah. I think we can all agree with that. I can anyway. Uh, anybody that doesn't think Andy Murray deserves to be Instagrammer of the Year. Jamie Morton from Dad Wrote a Porno. Fame is in the room. He's right here. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, he should win. Yeah. He should win. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree with you. You picked the right category to get thoughts on, David. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> uh, right, well, we've got final category. It's the big one. Worst podcast prediction of the year. First is... Everyone in our predictions competition, because nobody predicted Kerber or Djokovic to win Wimbledon. Wayne Ferreira, who was an entrant into our competition, picked Dimitrov to end the year as world number one. Bless him. David Law picked Kvitova to win Wimbledon, and then he picked her to win the US Open. (laughs) (laughs) She could have done, though. She blew it. And as we've already heard... Both Catherine and David had Kyrgios in their year-end top eight. Yeah. Am I going first? Yeah. I feel it's um, ungracious for me to pick one that's not mine because obviously my I, I've got some really poor offenders in there. On the long list was my prediction that Halep would win the US Open. She crashed out in the first round. So I can't, for that reason, I can't really sneer at either of your Kvitova predictions. Um, Kyrgios to finish in the top eight feels quite silly. Uh, Wayne Ferrer is not here, so I'm going to go for Dimitrov to end the year number one. Um, because, he is listening. Because he missed Hi, out. Wayne. He missed out on disappointment of the year, and he didn't, he didn't even get sort of uh, <laughs> any attention in that category because there were so many contenders. But... Goodness me, has he been one big fart of a disappointment this year? Um, 
Uh, and predicting Dimitrov to do good things this year, not silly from Wayne Ferrer, especially given where we were last year with him winning the O2. Predicting him to finish the year world number one, silly. Silly. You know, one... One tour finals victory does not cancel out an entire career to date of frailty. Frailty. I wish the guy well still. I haven't, I've not reached Kyrgios stage with Dimitrov. I wish him well. I hope he turns it around. My, my, my faith is waning a little, but I think um, that was wishful thinking even a year ago. Sorry, Wayne. Um, you know, I told her to go easy on you, but no, she's not having it. Um, I'm going for Kerber and Djokovic because all of you got it wrong. And I think that that is appalling that not one person in the entire room of our Kickstarter backers who all entered the prediction. We're talking 20, 30 people. Not one person got a multiple Grand Slam champion pair winning Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, no, so, no one's covered themselves in glory. That's what we've learned from the uh, 2018 prediction competition. We can actually take a look at the final standings. I've been waiting for this all evening. Um, and here they are in all their glory. If there were, if anyone's wondering, if there were an internal uh, competition amongst myself, David uh, and Matt... I think we can all see who the champion would be. Um, Melanie Bowes, our champion of last year. I don't know what she's going on. Unfortunately, she can't join us tonight. Um, You know, she's busy getting some kind of insider trading tips or something. Uh, Because, yeah, I mean, extraordinary performance from her. Uh, But we do have a champion. It is Mr. Greg Gaynor. He has a very good reason for not being here tonight. Uh, It's because he's on a different continent, but... Uh, is that you, Matt? <laughs> um, but he, uh, he sends us this uh, video message from the US of a... It might be Matt in disguise. It does look very much like Matt. Here he is, Greg. Hello, everyone. Greg Gannon from Detroit, Michigan. Sorry I was not able to get to the live uh, tennis podcast awards show today. I would love to be there. Unfortunately, Detroit is not exactly close to London and timing is not the greatest. Uh, been holidays, work, pregnant wife, probably not the best time to take off for a week to get over to London. But maybe one day. Um, I'm quite shocked when Grad Matt told me I was the winner of the tennis podcast uh, predictions competition. And I cannot believe it. Um, just want to thank David and Catherine for put it, for allowing uh, the listeners to put, have the opportunity to get into the predictions competition. Listen to the every podcast since uh, 2014. Love the work, and look forward to a great 2019. And hopefully there'll be even more uh, backers. And uh, look forward again to uh, the competition. Maybe one day I'll be able to do this in person. Take care. Well done, Greg. Extra points for commitment to the back catalogue. Yeah, have you got his number? Because I need to have a chat with him about next year. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Melanie Bowes came to the party last year and that didn't help so much. Um, But uh, we do have an extra special prize for uh, both. It's sort of a combined prize for doing really, really well, but not quite winning the predictions competition. But 
also being in the room tonight and uh, making a very special effort to do so. You'll notice uh, that Rosie G, who is Rosie, not the dog, uh, finished third in that predictions competition. She's here tonight. Uh, she's come with her husband, Jim, from Guernsey um, just to be here. And we do have a special prize of David Law. Uh, we... <laughs> <laughs> the prize isn't David Law. <laughs> I am very special, but... Uh, yeah, it's not me. Um, however, I can tell you, we, we have a, a very special prize. What is it again? <laughs> oh, no, I did. I, that wasn't me trying to throw you under a bus. Yeah, it I just, just can't happened. Um, it is a uh, cheesy afternoon tea at a Cafe Rouge of your choice. It's not cheesy. It is cheese as a, an extravagant. It's a cheese feast afternoon yeah. tea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, it has been donated by Café Rouge, our hosts for the night. Uh, we're very, very grateful. We're very grateful to you for um, taking part in the Tennis Podcast Predictions 2018 and for whipping our butts. Uh, we'll be going to speak to Rosemary for tips later on yeah, yeah, today. That's right. Um, which I think is an end to proceedings for the evening. It's been a great, great pleasure. We're so chuffed that you all have come tonight we really really are we're overwhelmed we're overwhelmed with how the kickstarter uh, is going we've still got 25 something 30 days left on that 30 days something like that um i know it sounds cheesy um but we genuinely are overwhelmed um seeing actual real life human beings that listen to this podcast it's still it still surprises me every time uh, when you see listener figures on a on a you know website browser it doesn't feel real but when you see real human beings in a room and people that have gone to the effort to show up like you will have tonight um it's very touching and we're super chuffed um please keep listening if you enjoy it don't force yourselves if you don't um and yeah a few other very special important people to thank grad matt of course Can we have a round of applause for grad matt, i think um who we hope will become reporter Matt, named TBC, but something along the lines of reporter Matt. Yeah, that's in, the big goal. The big goal from our, for our Kickstarter in 2019 is to turn him from student Matt to grad Matt into full-time Matt. That is what we want to try to achieve and get him on the, t- the team full-time because he's absolutely invaluable to us. Uh, we've got Paddy in the corner there, working hard, earphones on. Our editor for the year does producing for us, done all sorts of things for us tonight. Paddy, thank you very much indeed. We've got Jonathan Peace in the corner, head of partnerships at uh, Cafe Rouge, who has laid all of this on for us tonight, and we're very grateful indeed. Thank you very, very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we've got Simon Briggs and Charlie Eccleshare from The Telegraph, um, representing The Telegraph. We couldn't do it without you. We're very grateful. Thank you. Uh, we've got our interns not in the room tonight. We've got Andrew Bridges, Ina Graneman. They've been a great help to us this year. Dave Levy in the front. I don't know exactly what you do, but we're very grateful for it. <laughs> it's harsh. Fair. Various various contributions throughout the year. A yeah. support, a friend, a friend of the podcast. Yes. He was there right in my eye line. I felt like he needed he a mention. He provides interviews for us at Queen's. Yeah, yeah. all of that. Yeah. Um, who else have we got? We've got our executive producers for the year. For their, their last show as executive producers of the year, Melanie Bowes, Triple S, Tennisballs.com, La Manga Club. Um, and for one last time, 
Charlie the Ferret, our tennis podcast mascot. His mum, Katura, is in the room. It has been a great pleasure to have Charlie as our mascot. It's yeah. been a great pleasure and to have you for here Charlie. tonight. Um, thank you once more. We'll see you in 2019. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.